0: morning everyone my name is nelson and i'm honored to bring a a bit of teaching this morning or whenever you happen to be watching this continuing in our uh, new series that we're calling unordinary time uh, which means we're going to stay close to the church calendar as we head into summer uh, letting the lectionary guide us as to uh, which scriptures to anchor in Uh, joan Chittister, in her book the liturgical year Reminds us that every Sunday is like a little Easter. Uh, It's a return to the core of our faith. This announcement that Jesus is risen, that Jesus is alive. She says, uh, week after week, we go back to the center of the system. Not because there is some unusual kind of event going on, but precisely because this is normal to the faith. She continues by saying, ordinary time is a time for making the faith the force of daily life this is the time that makes dailiness stability fidelity and constancy the marks of what it takes for christians to be christian the rest of the year that's just so good and uh, looking back to eastertide when we uh, when we started following the lectionary it's pretty incredible how the spirit has used texts that were pre-ordered centuries ago to speak to our time with poignancy and clarity and just with deep resonance. So let's keep listening and learning and growing together as we journey in this series. I'm going to say a little bit more about the calendar and this season in just a few moments, but I wanted to offer up one more thing as one of your pastors before we open up Matthew's Gospel. And that is just to say, I uh, want to say thank you for how you have, as a community over the last number of weeks have received our efforts as leadership to address racial injustice in a more direct way than we've done in the past. Um, Some of you are in fact leading us in this work and helping us to to lead others. And so as a staff team and a preaching team, uh, we wanna keep our feet on the gas in intentionally bringing these concerns into our worship gatherings, having them shape our praying, our singing, our listening and our learning and really just holding them together in the presence of god and each other Uh, there is a lot to learn there's lots to confess uh, and change course on as we become increasingly aware of it and there are no easy answers to all of this stuff Uh, someone said to me this week there's no way to do this without getting some things wrong Um, and that's just so true (laughs) so Of course, there is nervousness and anxiety. We've all felt it. I've felt it. Um, But but take heart, friends. We're not alone, right? So this is a journey we're on together. Let's lean lean on each other in doing this work. Let's keep extending patience and grace while also continuing to challenge and provoke. Um, This is already happening. Um, Just encouraging us to keep it up. And can I also plead with us all, do not forget to lean on Jesus. Jesus is the one who is able to bear all our burdens and anxieties and our nervousness about getting this right. Uh, Jesus is the one who is familiar with exhaustion and stigmatization and helplessness. Uh, Jesus is the one who knows what it means to be disempowered and humiliated and small um scripture reminds us that a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out so whatever you're you're holding whatever you're carrying whether for yourself or others jesus is present with co-suffering love uh amen to that may god give us grace then to trust this to live into that even now okay so let's dive into the text for today This is the lectionary text, the gospel reading from uh, Matthew 9, from verses 35, and we'll just go to verse 8 of chapter 10. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus called his twelve disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. This is the word of the Lord. If you're in a time and place where you can look at the slides, uh, there's an image there I'd like to invite you to notice with me. It's a visual depiction of the church calendar. And on the top half of the circular image, in the center, we see that the focus for Uh, Roughly half the year is the story of Jesus. Beginning with Advent, we anticipate his birth, then follow the story all the way through the cross and uh, to Pentecost. So what happens at that point, at the bottom half of the image, you'll see this heading, the story of the people of God. This is ordinary time, roughly half the year. Now, since it says that this is the story of the people of God, that isn't to say that we stop paying attention to Jesus and focus on ourselves alone. It's actually the opposite. Uh, The gospel readings during this season keep us in the Jesus narrative. Um, They kind of hit rewind, and we back up to the early stages of Jesus' earthly ministry. Here's a, a great little summary. The Christian calendar is a creative way to tell the story of Jesus, from the anticipation of his birth to the outpouring of his spirit upon the church. Nearly half of the calendar is ordinary time, or kingdom time, when we continue to follow Jesus during ordinary days. So again, ordinary doesn't mean normal, mundane, uh, boring, or uneventful. It's really just a way of differentiating from the high point seasons and events like Christmas and Easter and Pentecost. And I love, love, love that ordinary time is also known as kingdom time. Kingdom's a huge theme in Matthew, and it's right there in our text this morning. So this has been a bit more preliminary stuff than usual, perhaps, but it's not peripheral. It's, I see it as foundational and uh, as core to our faith. So with the time that we've got remaining, I want to offer a few reflections uh, from our text out of Matthew. Verse 35 once more uh, from chapter 9. Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Now, if you back up to the end of Matthew 4, uh, if you do have a Bible with you or an app, uh, feel free to head there. In verse 23 of chapter 4, we see an almost identical replication of this, um, of 9 verse 35. It says there, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. So theologians refer to this kind of duplication as an inclusio, uh, a way of just marking off sections. So it's like Matthew intends for us to see these verses as parentheses that include everything between chapters 5 and 9 so in chapter 9 in terms of chronology we're in the early stages of jesus ministry and what's happening geographically is that jesus is on the move through galilee doing what well there are four primary verbs he's walking around he's teaching he's proclaiming and he's healing so walking around jesus is sort of a a circuit rider uh, an itinerant preacher doctor evangelist covering the whole province going into every town and village what's he doing as he's walking around he's teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming good news so there's a verbal dimension to his ministry jesus is telling everyone it's kingdom time Uh, and the core content of his message verbally uh, we could probably say is best contained within the sermon on the mount there is more than that but the sermon on the mount is really the core of it and He is healing people of every disease and sickness. Just want us to hear how broad and universal that is. I was reading a sermon by Otis Moss III, a pastor at Trinity United Church of Christ in Chicago. And he spoke of, uh, in this sermon, of COVID as a virus that has changed life, as we know for nearly everyone on the planet. That this is an infection that does not respect borders gender or racial difference or income level that anyone can get this virus and transmit it to others but he said there's another kind of infection that attacks the heart reducing its capacity to pump compassion courage mercy justice humility and forgiveness the virus has many names prejudice immorality hegemony but all can be traced to the same pathogen better known as sin. Reverend Moss went on to ask, how is this virus carried? It's transmitted when people of faith speak simultaneously with arrogance and ignorance. When people sing hymns on Sunday and dump stocks on Monday, because they're worried more about their financial portfolios than human lives. When people shout praise the Lord while dismantling healthcare." when people quote scripture while making it difficult for men and women to get food stamps to feed their children. That's how the virus is carried. But then he went on to say, Today is a day for good news. And that news is this. There is a vaccine for a nation infected with this virus. The scripture states, Loose the chains of injustice. Set the oppressed free. Share your food with the hungry. Share your shelter with the poor. Give your clothes to the naked. Only then will healing appear. Scripture tells us that if we live with compassion and do the work of justice, then we will see God's light break forth like the dawn. We've seen glimpses of this light in so many places over the past few months. How might we continue to follow and imitate Jesus in his work of healing? Let's continue on again verses 36 to 38 when he saw the crowds he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd then he said to his disciples the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few ask the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into his harvest field much more could be said about these verses but I will just make a brief stop here I want to say three things First, when Jesus saw the crowds, his heart went out to them. In Latin, compassion means to suffer with. In Greek, the word for compassion is splanchnizo. Splanchnizo. It literally means to feel in the viscera or the bowels or the entrails. You're welcome for that image. Jesus hurts when he sees people. In other words he feels for them they reach the core of who he is I wonder how might we follow Jesus in terms of the way he is with people emotionally I see a lot of you following Jesus in that way and love seeing it second thing about the meaning of harvest I want to suggest looking at the context harvest is primarily about gathering people to Jesus but it's not about only inviting people into a state of being, like saved or Christian, but into a way of being that is shaped by Jesus and looks like the kingdom. It's about announcing to the vast and diverse human family who are all of us harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, the good news that there is a shepherd. There is a shepherd. And this is good news. Now, what makes it particularly good news is that this is a shepherd who not only wants to save us in the future, after we die, he is interested in saving us in all the ways we need saving, but he's also interested in leading us now. What if the saving is in the leading? This shepherd is the one who is ready, willing, and able to be our leader, our guide, our friend, our healer, and our lover, not only of our souls, but of our entire beings, body, mind, spirit, imagination. This shepherd is the one who is the way and the truth and the life that is truly life. Third thing from these next uh, from just these few verses notice Jesus doesn't say the harvest is massive and overwhelming and there are hardly any workers therefore go not yet anyway instead in the face of pressing need and few resources Jesus first tells his disciples to pray to pray to ask God for the means necessary to carry out the work to trust the Lord to whom the harvest belongs in the first place and to rely on the recruiting work of the Spirit. So in other words, all of this is God's mission. We're not the trailblazers here. We don't get to be initiators. We get to join God in the work God is already doing. And the call to join God, Jesus is indicating here, is first of all a call to prayer, to ongoing communion and conversation with the Creator, the Redeemer and Sustainer of all things. And in this context, the request we're to bring is very specific. Ask the Lord to send out workers. Don't spend a lot of time with that word, workers. It's it's a pretty simple, kind of unadorned descriptor. It's unpretentious. Uh, Jesus doesn't say the need is for leadership or experts or um key influencers even particularly passionate people the need is for workers so then just as jesus finishes saying this we might imagine him looking around wondering who some of his fellow workers uh, might be and then verse 1 of chapter 10 again jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits impure spirits and to heal every disease And sickness. I love how that verse is translated in the message. Uh, The prayer was no sooner prayed than it was answered. Jesus called 12 of his followers and sent them into the ripe fields. He gave them power to kick out the evil spirits and to tenderly care for the bruised and hurt lives. So it's as though Jesus is saying, okay team, it's your turn now. Keep praying, as I just told you, never stop doing that. But also, you go too. Start doing what I've shown you to do. Now, a big question I've been sitting with um, in recent days and weeks, and maybe some of us have as well, is how do we ensure we're following Jesus in doing the work? These days, the air is full of voices speaking, claiming, and proclaiming, prophesying shouting some of it is true and helpful but not all of it and this seems especially so in online spaces and maybe that's partly because we're that's where everyone is right now we're all we can't be in the same room but we can all be on the internet And I think we need to be intentional about discerning well the voice of the Spirit of Jesus amidst that which is unhelpful, or maybe even just plain false. So, to that end, let me just say to anyone who's thinking about taking a break from social media, if you're thinking about it, if that thought is one that's just, you can't get it out of your head, chances are maybe good that you ought to follow that instinct. Um, And just on that note, I came across an amazing article by Aaron Lane that I've included the link to, uh, in the home liturgy, so it's there if you want it. I, I could take a long time to just talk about that article, um, but won't take the time at this point. But let me just address briefly now those who us, those of us who feel compelled to stay active in the online spaces. Amid the vast volumes of content we're consuming these days, can I humbly suggest the need for some daily Jesus content? Here's a practical idea how that could look. And that is to pray the Beatitudes every day. Uh, earlier I was mentioning the Sermon on the Mount as really the key summary of Jesus' teaching, Jesus' best sermon. And the key summary of that particular sermon is really in the opening verses of chapter 5 in the Beatitudes. Um, was listening to Brad Jerzak talk about the Beatitudes not too long ago, and he said, uh, spoke of this practice as a way to install the furnace of the Beatitudes in our hearts because false so-called prophetic words won't get through. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger for justice. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who suffer for the sake of justice. Brad went on to say, If you start praying those once a day, you can set your phone, whatever time uh, would be suitable, you, you will install a furnace of discernment that will burn up all the BS as it comes in. Kids, if you're listening, BS stands for bogus stuff. It's all the things that aren't true or good or beautiful. I'm going to try this for a season. It's not something I've been doing uh, lately, but let me know if you want to join me in it. I would love to journey with you in praying the Beatitudes once a day. Okay, verses seven and eight, and we'll come to an end here soon. As you go, proclaim this message the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead cleanse those who have leprosy drive out demons freely you have received freely give this is the essence of the work that we're called to to be announcers and bearers of the kingdom of god this kingdom of love and of justice and shalom Um, I, i don't have to tell you that it won't be easy that in fact it will be very hard but it will be good and to close today, I want to amplify a voice I've only recently become aware of. Um, she is a poet and an artist. Her name is Morgan Harper Nichols. Uh, I just saw that she's going to be part of the Sacred Feminine Conference that uh, Hillary McBride is hosting. I was delighted to see that. Um, and this past week, she shared an image and a poem that I'd like to read to you. It's a poem, but also a prayer, an encouragement, It's an exhortation, and a benediction. So. Take a moment, have a deep breath, and receive it now. Engage in the long, faithful work. Surrender the need of striving to be the best, or always right, and focus instead on leaning into light that reveals all things. All that is good and all that stands to be corrected and redirected. And as you lean into light... Be gentle with the word darkness, for more than it merely means wrong or bad, it is also the colour of a full starless night sky and actual bodies of human beings who have been overlooked too many times. Many, many words hold more than one meaning. Language on light and dark may have its place, and this is also true. This very language has been used to say, you are a threat, I am not, I am worth more than you. It takes kindness to understand this, for even though kindness is a beautiful word, it does not mean that nothing gets disrupted. Sometimes a way of thinking must be interrupted in order for kindness to truly thrive. For as sure as kindness leans into what is good, it also speaks about what isn't right. It is compassionate and gentle when long histories are pulled from morning into mourning. Engage in the long, faithful work of awakening with your heart and mind open to the possibility that things are more complex than they once seemed. And as hard as it is to hold all of this, you are still free to dream. You do not have to be who you used to be. You do not have to think the way you used to think. You are free to take hopeful, thoughtful action in pursuit of better things. So here's to new beginnings. Knowing it is impossible to ignore the long history, opening up to the mystery that grace still finds you here. And grace is unmerited favor, but it might not always look the way you want it to. It will invite you out in the open And it will also reveal what has been broken. You might have to unlearn the way you thought things would be. You might find that being undone is the best way to move on, humbly, mindfully, wholly. For how liberating it is to pursue wholeness over perfection, finding that grace is more than a beautiful word, but a daily act of being undone and awakening a direction. May Jesus empower us all in the long, faithful work of his kingdom.